So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, uh, we're going we're gonna to look at 18 verses. We got, a, we got a lot ahead of us this weekend. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 18. Normally, the weekend before Christmas, I do a, a Christmas Eve or a Christmas message. And I've decided because of the content, because of the title of this message, I really felt like God wants me to go ahead and preach through uh, 2 Corinthians. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4, uh, ver- chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 18. And then the title of this message is, is Don't Give Up. The title of this message is, is Don't Give Up. And one of the reasons I think this verse is so important, or these verses are so important, or this text is so important, is because I'm hearing from more and more people that they just, they're just discouraged, they're just tired, uh, that we've been in this since March, and, and, and they're, they're getting discouraged, and some people want to give up, and they just want to throw in the towel, and they just want to quit, regardless of where you are. Listen, let me tell you something. The emotion to give up is not wrong. And the emotion to give up sometimes is just authentic. It's our feelings. It's where we're at. And I want to help you with this because when we look at this issue of don't give up, Paul two times in this text, in these 18 verses, says do not give up. And then another time in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, we're going to look at that as well, that he says do not give up and this is why we don't give up. And so even the apostle Paul, so you don't have any guilt, if you have that emotion, if you have that feeling like I just can't do this and I, I just feel like giving up, I'm just so frustrated. Let me just relieve you of any guilt. The apostle Paul from time to time felt like giving up. He got to that place. Fact is, there's a place in scripture that he said he even despaired life. But yet out of that, we know that Paul never gave up. We know that he never gave in to his feelings. We know that he continued and God blessed his ministry. And Paul learned some things about this issue that when you and I come to that place... And we're overwhelmed and we're exhausted and we're tired and we've been in the battle for a long time. And we have those feelings, we have those emotions that we just want to give up. Paul gives us six things that can help us to keep our commitments. And there's something about this issue of giving up. You know, when you, hit, when, when you hit difficulties in life and people depend on you, we can't give up. An airline pilot that's, 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 that's flying an airplane with, with hundreds of passengers, they're depending on him. And when he hits storms or he hits turbulence, he can't make a decision just to, like, grab a parachute and open up the cabin door and jump. Why? Because a lot of innocent lives would be affected. A lot of people are depending on him, and he has to keep his commitment. So I want to give you six things tonight about this issue of, of not giving up. The first thing is this, and you're going to find this word through the whole, every one of these principles, is just this issue of consistency. Paul talks about this issue of consistency. So the first one is this. Consistency is the ability to keep going regardless of our feelings, regardless of our emotions, regardless of our feelings of wanting to give up, feeling overwhelmed, feeling exhausted, or feeling tired. And consistency, or you, you may be able to put that word discipline in there. When you look at the, the passages and you look at Paul's emotions, you realize that it was because of his consistency that allowed him not to give up. And consistency is just this ability to keep us going, to stay in the fight, regardless of our emotions, regardless of our feelings. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, we're just going to walk through these together. Here's what the scripture says. It says, therefore, since we have this ministry... Because we were shown mercy. We do not give up. And so he starts out with a commitment. 
And he says, because of this, because of the mercy, because of this ministry, we do not give up. Paul realized that he had this, he had this responsibility that was greater than his personal feelings, greater than what he desired to do. He had this ministry to carry the gospel to, to people. There were people that were dependent on him. And, and, and when you look at the text, you realize, when you look at Paul's life, now I'm sure there were days that he, he did not feel like going back to prison. He did not feel like getting beaten or tortured or, or betrayed or, or isolated or all of the emotions that he felt rejected or hurt. I mean, you can look at it for yourself. In the book of 2 Timothy, Paul is like mentoring a, a young pastor. The pastor's name is Timothy. And Paul is mentoring him. And all through the book, Paul is actually talking about this subject. He's trying to speak courage and encourage Timothy. And he's telling Timothy, he says, remember, remember Asia Minor? Remember when everybody deserted me there? Remember when, remember the hurt, remember the betrayal, remember those two guys that were in our ministry, they worked alongside of us, and they told, told me how much they loved me and cared for me, and remembered, remember when they left us and the damage they did to us? And Paul begins talking about this issue, but he says, you know what? But we serve God. We don't serve people. We please God. We don't please people. And Paul begins talking about this issue of not giving up. When you look at Paul's life, you realize that Paul refused to give up because of his commitment. Paul understood. He understood the power of discipline. He understood the power of consistency. He had a ministry to, to take the gospel to the world. And, and Paul acknowledged that he had his ministry through or by the mercy of God. And Paul was honest. And you remember what humility is? Humility is to be, be honest about our strengths and honest about our weaknesses. And Paul was honest and Paul was humble. And he said, he said he was honest about his ability, his strengths and his weaknesses. And he says, you know what? It's honestly because of the mercies of God. It's not because I'm better than anybody else. It's not because I'm smarter than anybody else. It's because of the mercy of God. Paul remembered when he, when he received salvation. I mean, he, he, de he deserved death. He was persecuting Christians and yet that Jesus Christ came to him and and, and forgave him. He died in Paul's place. He, he dies, died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and may, maybe, you're, maybe you're listening to this, and maybe there's some things going on in your life that, you know what, it just feels hopeless. And you just feel like giving up. And maybe, maybe, maybe in COVID, it has put extra stress on your marriage or relationships, and, and, and you're just frustrated. And you're even to that point, why even try? It doesn't seem like it'll improve anything. It doesn't seem like it's going to get any, any better. What would happen if I just gave up? What would happen if I just quit? Maybe, maybe for you it's parenting. Maybe homeschooling at home and, and rhythms change and work at home and some other things. And you say, you know what, why, why even try it? I, I, just, I just feel like giving up. And maybe it's responsibilities at work. And maybe, maybe your job is like totally changed and now you're having to transi transition working from home and navigating life and marriage and parenting and schools and, and all of those other things, and you feel like that I'm just, man, I'm going through the motions every day, but it, it doesn't seem to be, there doesn't seem to be much satisfaction, and there's all different reasons and that people just get disillusioned and want to quit, and bills can mount up, and health can fail, and people are disappointed or get tired or criticisms or people hurt us. And maybe you feel like just quitting the Christian life and say, you know what, this whole Christian life, it's not turning out the way that, that I had planned. And, and sometimes, 
sometimes our situations can look so hopeless that we just, we just want to quit. We just get tired of, of getting knocked down again and again and again. But the Bible, the Bible encourages us not to quit the Christian life. Galatians 6, 9, Paul begins talking about this, and this is what he says. He says, let us, let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Two times in the passages that we're looking at, verses 1 through 18, Paul says, do not give up. Another time he says it here, here in, this, in this age of burnout and disloyalty, we need to, redis- listen, we need to rediscover Paul's secret of what it means not to throw in the towel, not to give up. I, I, listen, I'm telling you as a church, we are looking for at ways, and we'll announce this after the first of the year, of how we can, can encourage health care workers and doctors and, and nurses. And, and we've been working on this plan for about, about three weeks now. Uh, we got the approvals that we needed last week. And then after the first of the year, we're going to talk to you about how we as a church are going to encourage Healthcare workers and doctors and nurses. We we have hospitals that that, that at one time pre-COVID one or two deaths a day was like a big deal, and now they're seeing double-digit deaths in in, in a day. Uh, today, right before this this service, I was on the phone with a funeral home, uh, planning uh, a funeral for uh, not only a church member but a but a dear friend. And the funeral home director said, you know what, we're about 10 days to 14 days out planning funerals right now. We're literally doing two to three funerals a day just trying to keep up. We live in different times. And I think some of the principles that Paul has about this issue of not giving up and understanding the the situation that we're in. The second thing is this, is consistency is the ability just to be authentic. Consistency is the ability just to be authentic. If you're, listen, if you're going to be a faithful person, if you're going to be consistent, then you have to be for real. You have to be authentic because, it, listen, it can be exhausting trying to be someone that you're not. It's even worse. Even worse than being worn out is being found out. And if you try to be someone or something that you're not, you'll either exhaust yourselves or you'll be discovered. And either way, you will not finish the course because you're trying to be someone that you're not and that you'll quit. If you're not going to lose heart, then you must make a commitment. Listen, I'm going to be myself, and I'm going to be authentic, and I'm going to be real. And Paul goes on in verse 2, and he says, Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. And so Paul is honest. He said, you know what? There are people out there, and they're going to distort God's word for their own gain. They're going to distort God's word for their, 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 their profit or their personal gain. They're going to distort God's word to agree with their lifestyle, their choices, their decision. But Paul said, he said, I'm not going to distort God's word, even even if, people do not disagree, even if people do not agree with me. Paul says, I'm just going to be authentic, and I'm going to speak the truth. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, Now we have this, this treasure in, in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Paul understood that the power of the Christian life is not from me, it's from God. 
It's the power that lies within me. And he uses his term jars of clay. And listen, in their culture, everybody understood what that meant. It was customary because they didn't have locks on their doors like we do today and, and break in and robberies were common in their day. So they would take their value, valuables and they would put it in a like a, a beat up pot in the house and they would hide it there so that it would be so unimpressive the vase or the pot or or whatever that nobody would look in there and Paul is saying you know what we're not that impressive we have imperfections we have dings we're not perfect but Paul says you know what it's not the vessel it's the it's the content that's important Inside these unimpressive jars, jars of clay, we have this treasure of God's word. And Paul never claimed. He never claimed perfection. He, he, he never claimed to be perfect. And he says, you know what? I, I'm not perfect, but I know one who is, and his name is Jesus. And we don't, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ. And, and an essential for a, a long-term ministry anywhere is just, just be real. Just be authentic. Just be yourself. And we have this, this treasure in jars of clay. And we're not trying to deceive you. And we're not hiding secrets. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ. We're authentic and we, we don't lose heart. The third thing is this, is consistency is the ability to stand firm. Consistency or discipline in life is just this ability to stand firm. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. All through the Bible, we've told this over and over and over. We're told that there's this supernatural evil force who is ruthlessly seeking to defeat you. And sometimes he's referred to as Satan, sometimes the evil one, the devil, uh, the prince of darkness, uh, the power of of the air. And here, Paul refers to him as the God of this age. And I... Let me just stop right here. One thing that concerns me in 2020, one thing that concerns me in COVID is we, I think we've come to the place that we think our, our battle is against flesh and blood. Our battle, listen, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against Republican or Democrat. It's not against liberal or conservative. Our battle, listen, our battle is not against flesh and blood. This is what Paul is trying to get us to understand, that the God of this age is like this arch enemy of God, and he is seeking to defeat people. Simon Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. He's telling us that in a spiritual sense, we as believers, listen, we are living behind enemy lines. And when a soldier gets dropped in behind enemy enemy lines, then they become alert. I mean, they're aware of their surroundings. They, are, they, they acknowledge, they are aware that they're in enemy territory. And Paul is, is trying to help us to understand that guess what? There's a God of this age. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. And we're behind enemy lines, and as a result of that, we need to be alert to what is going on. And you cannot grow comfortable in your surroundings. That your, your enemy or your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. 
But by God's grace, what he says, we as believers can face the lion without fear. And we, we must face him. We must be aware of the fact that Satan is attacking us in, in an attempt to defeat us. But in, in every case, and we're going to look at this in Scripture, so, so you know it comes from God's Word, but in every case, you start resisting Satan by submitting to God. You can either go against Satan on your own power, or you can submit to God, and you can rely on his strength and his power. I mean, you ever wondered, I mean, it's just really fascinating to me. It may not be fascinating to you. You ever wondered that a, how a, a lion tamer uh, can get in a cage with like these vicious lions and they can like control them with a, with a whip and with a, with a chair? I mean, when, 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 a, when a lion tamer, tamer ta a trainer uh, takes a, a whip and, 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 and snaps it, he's snapping the lion's ear. You know what he's doing? He's appealing to a higher authority. A mother lion would, would correct her, her cubs by biting the ears of a cub to correct them, and they knew what was happening. When a lion trainer pops the ears of a lion, he is simulating correction. James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, talking about appealing to a higher power, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Therefore, here's how we stand. Here's how we face it. Therefore, submit to God. We appeal to a higher authority. Submit to God. By submitting to God, guess what's happening? You're resisting the devil, and he will flee from you. Submitting yourself to, to God is not really a complicated process. It's a matter of humbling yourself and admitting to him that you don't have the strength to handle this on your own. And you humbly ask him for help. That's why reading of scripture is so important. That's why life journaling is so important. The fourth thing is this. Consistency is the ability to bounce back after disappointment. The issue is not getting discouraged. The issue is not feeling like just throwing in the towel and giving up. Even Paul got to that place. That's not the issue. The issue is, is when you get knocked down, what, you, what do you do? When you're disappointed, what do you do? What is your next step after that? And Paul, I mean, Paul had this amazing capacity. After setback, after setback, after setback, he never gave up. He just got back up. Verse 7 out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, now we have this treasure in, in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but, huge word, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who, who, who live are always be, being given over to the death for Jesus' sake. So that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul, Listen, Paul knew stress. Paul knew pressure. He knew, he knew the stress and the pressure of travel. He knew the stress and the, and, and, and the pressure of people. Uh, he knew the stress and the pressure of money problems, but he never, he never allowed those problems to get him down. He never allowed those problems to, to, to destroy him or crush him. He said, we're, we're afflicted. I mean, he was honest. We're afflicted in every way, but guess what? We are not crushed. We were, we're, we're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. 
we're persecuted, but we're not, we're not forsaken. I mean, P- Paul's enemies, I mean, when you just look at this, Paul's enemies made fun of him. They ridiculed him. They, they beat him. They stoned him. They imprisoned him. I mean, he had, he had been neglected by his friends, uh, but he was confident that God had not abandoned him. Back to 2 Timothy, when he's encouraging Timothy, a young pastor, and said, Timothy, you need to know these things. Paul told him, says, there was a time that everyone abandoned me. But God, but the Lord stood by my side. He's the one that stood. See, Paul understood that everybody may abandon you and everybody may disagree with you, but he says, you know what? The Lord will stand with you. I mean, he was struck down but not destroyed. And Paul was stoned in, in Lystra, and he's dragged outside the city. He's like left for dead. I think, when, I think when I regain consciousness, I think I would have said, you know what? I think that God's, God's trying to tell me it's time to retire. I think I need a new line of work. I need a new career. I need a new profession. And, but you know what Paul did? <laughs> Paul just got right back up. He goes back into the city. Why? Because he knew that's what God called him to do. And the next day, him and Barnabas left for Derby and where he preached the good news to that city. And he had this unbelievable harvest. He, he won a large number of people to the Lord. And when, he, when Paul had setbacks, listen, we're all going to have setbacks. We're all going to be knocked down. We're all going to go through difficulty. But Paul, Paul happened to him. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. Man, the Christian life may, may have bumps and bruises and potholes. Because Jesus says, in this world, guess what? In this world, you will have trouble. Look at this, verse 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, we always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. My old school, like, leather Bible, in in the margin, I I just wrote a sentence when, this is many years back, and I just said, Paul... Paul didn't just endure problems. Paul employed problems. Paul figured out how, how to use the problems in his life to advance the gospel. He used each one of his problems, each one of his difficulties to promote the purposes of God. And when God was honored, see, Paul understood this, when God was honored, people listened. When Paul was, was stoned and he went back to preach it at Derby. I referenced that earlier. You know, the reason I believe he had such a response is because people saw his cuts. People saw his bruises. They saw his hurt. He saw his pain. And they understood he was authentic and real. And it made a difference in his life because he had been a a person that had gone through problems. And later when Paul was thrown into prison, (laughs) Paul, again, he employed his problems. And he wins the jailer to Christ. And when he was dragged before kings, he turned the palace into a, to a pulpit, pulpit. And when he was put into solitary confinement in, in prison, he turned the prison into like this author's workshop. And, and he came out with a good share of the New Testament in his hands. And, and when he was knocked down, when he was ridiculed, when he was betrayed, he was never knocked out. Every disappointment for, for Paul was a door. Every interruption for Paul was an opportunity. And Paul had this resiliency that he would never quit. It was because of his consistency in his life. It was because he knew what he had been called to. It was because he knew that regardless what happens, the Lord will stand by my side. Here's the fifth thing is this. Consistency is the ability to endure for the benefits of others. 
the reason we don't quit is because there are some innocent people depending on us. Whether it's our husband, our, our, our wife, our children, our co-workers, people that we serve with, people that we go to church with. And, P, and Paul understood that this is not about him. And Paul wasn't, would not lose heart because he was so convinced that he was helping other people. Verse 12, it says, So then this death is at work in us, but life in you. He, you know what he's saying? He said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quit for the benefit of others. Paul felt this unselfish love for people who were lost, for people who didn't know Christ. Paul was so convinced that his message was true and needed by others that he just refused to quit. Verse 13, and since we have this same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Paul was certain that, that God who had raised Jesus from the grave, and he was certain that if people put their faith in Jesus Christ, that the, he, he would raise them too. So he wouldn't quit, regardless of the opposition, verse 15. And he says, indeed, everything is for, for your benefit, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. This sense of concern for other people is what motivated Paul not to quit. And we may get tired. And we may get exhausted. And we may get to that place that honestly it, it feels like it's just, it's just more than we can do. I've talked to policemen. I've talked to doctors. I've talked to nurses. I've talked to pastors. I've talked to teachers. I've talked to a lot of people that say, you know what? Sometimes I just feel like I want to quit. But the reason I continue is because of a calling, because I, 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 I want to I help others. The sixth and the last thing is this, is consistency is ability to focus on the goal. Verse 16, he goes on and says, Therefore, after all of this stuff, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer, outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Paul's saying, you know what? Outwardly, we're wasting away. We don't, use, we don't usually put it that bluntly, but it's true. Our bodies are wasting away. And if you focus on this life only, then the older you get, the more discouraged you will be because no matter how well you try to eat or how much you exercise, how much you jog, you still get older. And you can sense that this life is slipping away. And it's slipping by, and there's nothing you can do. And out of desperation, you can quit. And people quit. They quit jobs. They quit marriages. They quit. They even quit making sense. And Paul says, let's be honest. Outwardly, we're wasting away. But as Christians, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And we don't quit because our focus isn't on this body. It's on, it's on the spirit. And and. and, and Paul goes on in verse 16, and he says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. He says, therefore, we don't give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light of affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul knew that the real world is the life to come. We think the, the physical world is the real world. We think the things we can see and touch is the real world. But Scripture says that's the unreal world. We think of the spiritual world as the unreal world. The things that we cannot see, that's the real world. That's the world that's going to last. And Paul understood that outwardly we may be wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And one day we will spend eternity in heaven. This world, we're just passing through. This world, we seek to please God. Maybe you're, maybe you're listening to this message and you've never come to the place to where you've accepted him and asking him to come into your heart for the forgiveness of your sins. I would encourage you. That would be the greatest decision that you could make is just pray a simple prayer and ask him to come into the, your life for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, if you're watching online on demand, you can click live prayer and a prayer partner will meet you in a virtual prayer room and you guys can text back and forth. If it's, if it's on demand, you can select connect card and you can fill out that card and let us know and we would love to know about that. I just want you to know we love you and we are praying for you. And we're not going to give up. And we're going to continue to encourage one another. We're going to continue to support one another. Our elders have met and talked and discussed some things that we can do in a big way to bless some of our frontline workers and let them know how much we love them. Because we know many of them are overwhelmed. We've already blessed our first responders, police and fire and paramedics. And if you're in a season where you feel like you want to give up, reach out to us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to help you. We'd love to encourage you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we just thank you for the power of your name. And Lord, I, I just pray for our church. Lord, we have people that are hurting Lord, we have people who are sick. Lord, we have people that with loved ones in a hospital and, and they can't be with them and they can't be the, by their bedside. And, and Lord, you know their emotions. Would you protect their heart and mind in Christ Jesus? Would you minister to them? And Father, we have people that have lost loved ones and they're having to wait 10 days and two weeks for a funeral Father we have people that are ready to give up would you let them know that you stand by their side when I look to the hills where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord who created heaven and earth who will never let our feet slip. We will never be moved. And so, Father, we pray for our church. And we pray for those that just need to accept you. That, Lord, you would give them the courage, the ability to ask you to come into their life and forgive them of their sins so that they can walk with you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining with us. 
in this service. We look forward to seeing you uh, either online or in person, the drive-in service, 5 o'clock, Christmas Eve. Uh, we're going to celebrate Christmas, and we cannot wait to celebrate Christmas. God bless you. Thank you for joining us.